0: You do have to, you know, there, 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 are, there are other men that you can talk to and learn from at the same time. So, we want to go, and I, Ben, if you want to join in, I'm sorry I took that from you. Well, man, I was just I'm just excited <laughs> about this show, man.
1: I was just going to tell people what, what Ryan does. It's, it's an organization called Order of Man, which you founded, what, five years ago? Is that correct? Yeah,
2: I think we're, uh, yeah, on, coming up on six years now. So up on time, six time's years. flying for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, so an organization just it, as simply as you can put it is geared towards making better men. And you've got a very well-known podcast. Uh, you, you do uh, events all over the country, or at least you did before COVID, I guess. But um, yeah, exactly what Darren said, this world is lacking leadership, and that's what you're doing, is you're, you're helping develop leaders and better men. And we really appreciate that. That's why we're excited to, to have you on. But let's start from the beginning, Yeah, uh, where you grew up, how you grew up, brothers and sisters, what, what family life was like for you growing up.
2: Yeah, Dave- Aaron, I think I probably grew up similar to you without a father figure in my life. Um, my dad was out of the picture by the time I was three. We, we always had a good relationship, but it wasn't close just because, you know, I'd, I'd go visit him on, uh, on summer break and things like that. I had a couple of other stepfathers coming into my life. Um, I moved out of California when I was 14. And we moved to this very, very small town in southern Utah. Uh, The high school I would have went to in California had more kids in the high school than the entire population of the town I moved to. So the big culture shock when I moved there. But, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. My my mom got remarried and uh, her and my stepfather decided they wanted to raise my sister and I somewhere else other than Southern California. And it was a it was a good move for us. The relationship between my mother and my stepfather didn't work out. Um, for, for various reasons, but man, I just never really had a great example of, of what it meant to be a man. But fortunately, like you guys, I'm sure uh, I had some high school football and baseball coaches come into my life who were willing to uh, usher me, for lack of a better term, into into manhood and teach me about being a man on the field and on the baseball diamonds. So I was fortunate that way in, in the wake of uh, some unfortunate circumstances.
0: Right. Hey, Ryan, did you ever feel like it was and I'm speaking from my own field, my own thoughts and in my own experiences. Did you ever feel like it was your fault? Did you ever feel like that you played a role in the fact that you know your your mother had you know, your, and your mother and father didn't work out, or the stepfather didn't work out? Because yeah, I, I, I just speaking from my own experience, I always felt like, you know, maybe it was me. When I specifically when I was young, that it was my fault. Yeah. I always had these dreams of my mother and father getting back together. It was always that that mindset of. Well, you know, mom is your fault because, you know, it, and I started playing the blame game. Like, you know, mom, you, you and dad can get together, get back here and there. Because I was similar to you in the fact that, you know, my, my father wasn't in my life, but I saw him every once in a while. But I always played that game with in my mind mentally.
2: Yeah, I, you know, actually, I don't know if I ever felt that way. Really. Um, I remember always wondering why me, that was something that continued to go through my mind is like, why does this happen to me? Why is this happening? I remember being very bitter and, and contentious, especially in, um, the relationship with my, my second stepfather, cause we did get along. He was, he was verbally and emotionally abusive, but most of that was taken out on my, my mother and, and my sister, not me. We actually had a pretty good relationship. Um, but yeah, so it was always more, it was more like why me, as opposed to this is my fault, mm-hmm. so I felt like I played the victim game a little bit, and in my youth, I used it as an excuse to self destruct and be violent and to be a troublemaker really until I got lined out so yeah that's uh that's that's more of the mindset that I had as as I experienced that as a young a young boy
1: when you say you you acted out and got in trouble. What- do you, what sort of things were you getting into?
2: Uh, you know, I was getting into fights and things like that at school. That, that's primarily what it was. Um, I was getting into drinking a little bit at a young age, like 13, 14 years old with some, some bad influences in California, which is part of the decision that my mother made to move us out of the state. Uh, but, but primarily, it was very. I was very contentious. Um, I had a lot of pent up frustration just welling up inside of me uh, and sports was a great outlet for me. And I, I could tell, I mean, it, it was, it was visibly noticeable when I wasn't playing sports. So I played football and baseball throughout high school. And then, uh, I got cut my freshman year from the bas or excuse me, my sophomore year from the basketball team. And I didn't play another sport until the following year I wrestled. Uh, but whenever I was not playing sports, it was rough. I was getting into more fights and, uh, it, it was a harder time for me because I didn't have that outlet in my life.
0: Damn, that's a different that's a transition from basketball to wrestling. How
2: many yeah. people yeah. make-gone
0: from being an athlete to yeah. a grown man?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey,
3: that's welcome exactly to the man. show, welcome, Tyler Clutch. Tyler Clutch is
0: a Former wrestler had something guy, that, <laughs> yeah. that hurt you a little bit, didn't yeah. it? <laughs> But uh that, that is a hell of a transition because I don't know many guys that go from from playing, you know, hoop to to getting on the mat and wrestling.
2: I wasn't uh I wasn't very good at basketball. I was the guy who was like, I was good on the team for five fouls and that's what they used me for. Um, cause I like to get in there and mix things up a little bit. And uh, I remember my football coaches would come to the games and they'd always laugh. You know, I could hear them laughing. And then after the game, they'd say, you need to stop playing basketball. You need to start wrestling." So I, I in fact, my football coach told me, uh, he was actually my, my, uh, the basketball coach I would have. So he cut me from the team And he said, if you don't go wrestle, you will not play football for me next year.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I I hope you guys understand, like, the difference between a basketball coach and a wrestling coach. Like, for him to refer – one of his players to the wrestling, wrestling team yeah. is a big deal, right? There's because oh, sure. you're always fighting over those fighting guys. For yeah. season. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And one of them, you know, has an argument, well, you want to be more athletic in space, come play basketball. It translates to the football field, right? Or it's like, Hey, you want to be tougher and understand leverage. Okay. Now mm-hmm. go or be a wrestler. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's big that uh, your football or your basketball coach said, no, 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 not for you. Go over to the other yeah, side. Yeah, and he was,
2: right. <laughs> he was right. He was right. Like, I was disappointed because all my buddies played basketball so I was disappointed, but wrestling was a significantly better sport for me. For yeah, players. I was going
3: to say, because of your mentality, it sounds like you're, I say, attraction to violence, like whether you're getting in fights or, or football, right? You're, you're contact or combat, contact. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, Attraction to contact. I it, couldn't it wrap, wrap my lie. head
2: around uh, drawing a foul. I'm like, w- <laughs> you know, like, why would I deliberately let somebody <laughs> run me over? I couldn't <laughs> wrap my head around drawing
1: what a What do you, you mean, like, me? lay down on my back? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing <laughs> that. that. That's funny. So you talked about the transition from California to Utah. T- tell us a little bit more about that, how hard that was at the age you were to go from what you said was a town that had, how'd you phrase it? Your your town didn't even have as many people as your old high school would have. High school I would have went to.
2: Yeah, it was a big culture shock, man. I remember going to the football field that, fr- we actually got, we got there a little bit early because both my, my stepfather and my mother wanted to get me involved in, in football. And that would be a good way for me to make friends as I was moving into my uh, freshman year. So ninth grade. So I get there a week and a half, two weeks early for summer camp for football. And I remember walking onto the field and I talked to one of the guys and I said, where's the varsity team? And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, like, here's the freshmen, like, where are the varsity guys? And he's like, no, this This is the entire team (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness all right well cool let's see what we can do and uh man i wouldn't trade it for the world i i took to it very very quickly i made some very close personal friends immediately in fact two of them i went to iraq with later um it was just a it was a good experience to be in a small town family values People looked after each other, cared about each other, were spiritual, and it was it was very, very good for me.
3: Where in where in California, I'm sorry if you already said this, where in California were you at?
2: I was uh i say Anaheim, if you're familiar okay. with the area, you know Linda. Yeah. Agalinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. From, yeah. yeah,
3: I'm a I'm a California guy myself, so I I'm a little bit further north, so Fresno, okay, okay. but yeah. Um, very, very familiar. So the the, the California culture, the, the Orange County culture, right? Like going to Southern Utah, which is very, very rural. Um, how do you think that that contributed to kind of what you're doing now? And, and and we'll get to where you're at now. But how do you think that, you know, being able to adjust the way that you did and being able to, um, to you know, assimilate into a very different culture? How do you think that that helps you now as you're, as, as you're, coaching men on what it's like to be accountable.
2: Uh, you know, it's interesting. I kind of feel like I went back in time a little bit when I, when I moved to Southern Utah, but in a good way, um, very traditional values, family oriented, community oriented, spiritual, like I said earlier. Uh, and those family values and those traditional values have actually served me very well. And as we see, I call it the doctrine of popular culture and, and, it, and it's moved us away from these traditional values uh, at the sake or, or I, I should say with the goal of being entertained. Uh, and as I've moved closer to these traditional values of being family oriented, working hard, having a belief in a higher power, finding meaning and purpose, committing to your family and your community members, life's just better. I mean, life's just better. I agree. And and I'm trying to point these guys in the right direction who never had experiences like this, maybe didn't have fathers in their lives or access to uh, men that cared about them the way that it sounds like all of us did in our, in our young lives. And uh, it's just more fulfilling. It's a more fulfilling way to live when, when you live mm-hmm. that way. Yeah.
0: So you're, you're going through high school, you're, you're what your senior year and what's your thought process going you know, junior, senior year, what's the future look like? And then I'm sure you're, you're going through this and you are, is your stepfather in your life at the time? I know your mother's in your life, but is your stepfather in your life?
2: Not as a, not as a senior. If if I remember correctly, I, I could be wrong. It was a little bit off and on, but it seems like they finally threw in the towel about the time I was a, a junior. So going into my senior year, I, I could be wrong. It could have been in my senior year, but it was somewhere right around there. Um, Yeah. My thought was, I don't, I didn't have a thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do. I would have loved to go on and play college sports. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little undersized to be able to do that, athleticism-wise. I think I was there, but size-wise, I, I was lacking. So I didn't really have any uh, have any plans. I ended up joining the uh, the National Guard. I went to a semester of uh, a local college there in Southern Utah. I got a uh, uh, academic scholarship. Realized I hated school. Lost my scholarship through the semester because I just wasn't showing up. And uh, fortunately for me, I had basic training coming up. So I left pretty quickly to basic training and uh, went the national guard route and, and really enjoyed basic training. I had a lot of fun there, learned a lot, Stepped up to the challenge, and, and a lot of that came from sports too. I mean, I saw these guys go into basic training without anybody, without being used to having a grown man in your face. Yeah, and uh, these guys crumbled, which was actually entertaining at the time and kind of pathetic, quite honestly.
3: <laughs> so, you, so yeah, so you transition, you know, you go into basic training, um, and and okay, hey, this is the route, school's not for me, I want to serve. Um, but what, why, okay. Why the national guard as opposed to, uh, you know, one of the other branches.
2: That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know that anybody's really asked me that. And, you know, just thinking about it, I think I did want to just pursue, I think initially it had to do with college, you know, I, because that was my, that was my goal it was like, okay, I'm going to go to college. Cause you know, that's what you're supposed to do. Right. So I joined the national guard in my junior year, believing that I would go to college, and, and go that route. Um, and going into engineering is what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I realized I hated, hated school and was already in the national guard. So then I, when I got back, I did, you know, odds and ends and little jobs here and there from landscaping to pizza delivery, trying, uh, electrical work, trying to figure out, you know, anything I could do to make ends meet. Cause it wasn't working for me the route that I was on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy listening to your story. And there's so many kids in that age, that 18, 19, 20 year old age, where there's like some, there's some years where you just don't know who you are. You're trying to find yourself and the escape is always go to college and then you figure out that's those situations. But, you know, in your situation, which is plentiful, a lot of people go through that, you know, you're back home, you're like you said, you're delivering pizza, you're doing, there's this window where you're just experiencing life, man. Not sure exactly what life has in store for you.
2: Yeah. And a lot of drinking (laughs) and a lot of just like (laughs) screwing things up. You know, it, it it wasn't like I was trying to figure things out. It was like, I was trying to mess things up, you know, and just through the, through the graces of God and other people I met, it ended up working itself out. And I feel like I'm on a, a, a much better path now, but man, it took a long time to figure some of this stuff out.
0: So when did this change? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, when was When did the change start? When did you start to see that there was light at the end of the tunnel? Was there anything positive or negative that happened in that span that changed the course of your life?
2: I met my wife, you know, so. um, (laughs) That's a positive. Stories are similar. (laughs) I remember I was at, I must have been at some party. I can't really remember exactly, but I was at a party and I I remember just being completely wrecked and I'm like, what? What, I mean, I must not have been that bad because I started thinking about like, what are you doing? Mm. And, and I made the commitment at that point. Um, I'm just going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop drinking. So I stopped cold turkey. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Three weeks later, I meet my wife and uh, man, everything changed, you know? How did she- y'all meet? Uh, do you want the long version or the short version? Oh, man. give us
3: the oh, long version, man. We're, we're not right. on a compliment. That's That's beauty of podcast. <laughs> I, I guess
0: I want to know. Did you did you have any game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, did you have I any game, or you just fell into this?
2: No, no. I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna know after you hear this story. So, um, <laughs> oh. I'm sitting in my apartment with my roommates, and we must have been playing like I don't know Tetris or something. You know, just like again, drunk, right? Just sitting there dinking around. And one of my buddies comes over with this, with this girl. And I see her, I'm like, Oh man, she is beautiful. Like this beautiful girl. And she's with my buddy, they're dating or whatever. And I didn't think anything other than, Hey, well done. She's hot. Right. And, uh, they broke up. I started working at the mall. My background primarily is retail management. So I was working at the mall. She happened to be working at the mall too. My friend and her had had split and we started, you know, flirting with each other here and there, spending a little bit more time on our breaks, and so, yeah, that's how we uh, officially hooked up. This was years after I had first seen her. I remembered her. I first seen her, and I remember my my friend came. He, this is how he found out. We uh, were on a break, and I was I I gave her a kiss before she went back to wor- uh, her work. And my buddy saw it. Oh, was, um, boy. the movie scene yeah, where it like zooms oh, out and then he's looking. Yeah. The oh, wait wow, a minute! This Hey, wait a
0: minute! There's some code in this now. Did yeah. you? You never told your buddy? To say, yeah. You no, never said anything to him.
2: I never said because so I had my roommate was like he knew what was going on. He's like, dude, you need to tell him. You need okay. to tell him. I'm like, no, no, I'll tell him. I'll tell him. And, I'm like, and I. Kept putting it off, putting it off. And that's how he found out. Oh, oh,
1: yeah, so yeah, much yeah. better than telling him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: I bet your buddy had that dumb and dumber look.
2: Yeah. yeah he no, he came. He actually came into the store because I went back to work. He came into the store and you know, he threatened to kick my ass and get all his friends <laughs> to kick my ass. I'm like, your friends are my friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah it was pretty, you know, as he was upset for a while, but they had been split up for you. Yeah. It all worked itself out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how old were you at this point? Uh, 19, 20 years old. Okay. Well. okay. Still, so this so, is
3: post-basic training. So you'd gone yeah. off, gone to basic training. Talk us through that journey because, okay, now you, you've still got to serve, yeah. but now you meet, you know, your future wife. And I don't know how quickly you knew that she was the one, but what was that dynamic like letting her know, hey, at some point I'm going to have to leave?
2: Yeah, man, we got a whole other story with that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, th- I didn't really anticipate being activated ever. You know, we did some little things stateside. We did the, uh, I think it was the, uh, 2002 Olympics, I think. If yeah. I remember correctly. So City, yeah. 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 So we did the Olympics, things like that, you know, I was gone for two weeks and things, but nothing other than that. Um, but then we ended up in 2003 getting activated to, uh, go to Iraq and that was when that you guys remember when they pulled the uh, big statue of Siddharth yeah, down. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched that in the Chow Hall. If I remember correctly, I was in Fort Carson, and we were training to go overseas that time. And within a week of us leaving, they said, "No, you're not going anymore. You're going to stay stateside. You're going to go to Fort Lewis in Washington State, and you're going to train ROTC cadets for the for the summer." Which actually was good duty because we worked for three or four days on, took three or four days off. We went and watched the Seahawks, went and watched the Mariners. It was awesome. We loved yeah. it. Um, but then in uh, 2000, let me just think about my timeline here. 2004, it was uh, Thanksgiving. My wife and I had gotten married in uh, June of 2004. And we were down in Southern California because the store I was working at asked me to go open a store in Southern California. Uh, and, and so we were working down there she came home for Thanksgiving. So that's about a six hour drive. And I said, okay, when I'm, when I'm done closing out the store, I'll come up and we'll spend Thanksgiving with, with your folks in Southern Utah. Well, I get a call from my section chief and he's like, Hey man, I hate to do this right now, right on, you know, day before Thanksgiving or whatever it was, but our unit's been activated. We're going to Iraq in January. So, so I get there and, you know, I, I pull her aside and kind of tell her what's going on. And it was, it was really interesting we we're sitting at uh, uh, giving dinner that evening and her dad said, what's wrong with you, Ryan? Did your unit get activated or something? Totally oh. joking, oh. Mm. completely joking. Didn't have any idea. And this, the whole family was there and I'm like, um, Actually, yeah. Yeah. Did. Wow.
3: That's when you that's when you push your plate away and just slam your fork and knife <laughs> on the plate. back. <laughs> <It's your chairman. laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? yeah. Really? Really? <laughs> that's how there, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So we had been married for when I left in January, we had been married for 6 months. I and uh, I went to Iraq, she stayed at home. She actually moved home with her folks and uh, stayed there. I was gone for a year and a half and then came back and we tried to Figure out being married and actually going through the whole dating process again really is what it was. So
3: your tour was a year and a half.
2: Yeah, I did six months stateside training in, uh, in Mississippi. Okay, and then we did some—I uh, can't remember what they called it—but just basically uh, like climate training, essentially like trying to get used to. It. And we were in uh, in in California trying to get used to the climate.
1: Yeah, and then uh, yeah, we went to Iraq for a year. Wow. How many times have you seen your wife in this time? that year and a half? I saw her
2: twice. Oh, my yeah. I saw her. So we went and did our training in Mississippi and then I saw her, um, actually three times now that I say that. So I did my training in Mississippi, came home, saw her. Then we went to California for a month, saw her. And that's when she saw me off. And then I think seven or eight months into my, my deployment, I came back for a uh-huh week and a half leave or something like that. And then went back. So three times in that, in that time frame.
1: So wow. talk to us about that because I've, I've heard somebody describe it this way before. Like you think about the soldier that goes away and, and they're gone for a year, year and a half or however long and they're living and they're all their experiences. And, and you think about that, but you forget about the spouse oh, yeah they're yeah. living life and, and they're going through things for that year and a half. You're, you're almost two different people when you come back mm-hmm. from that. So Tell us a little bit about that, what that experience was like.
2: You know, I think um, we may have had it easier in some ways and harder in other ways. You know, we were newly married. We didn't have kids, right? We didn't have the responsibility of a house and things like this. We didn't have that stuff. Man, I saw guys go that missed the birth of their children, Uh, other guys that their wives, you know, cheated on them while they were gone. and, And that's how they found out. And they came home to an empty house. You know, I think about my wife though, you know, she's young, she's attractive. She's going to school. There's probably other guys, you know, hitting on her and things like that. Like she's got her own things that she's dealing with and she's got to drive on with her life while I'm gone for that time frame. So, and then not to mention, you know, I'm there doing my duty and doing my work and I've got my head down and it's literally life and death type situations. And all she can do is imagine what What's happening and what's well, going on, home, you, know? you know. So, so it, it was pretty difficult and challenging for her, for sure. How how
3: are those conversations? Is the role of the husband right? You you are you know displaced from her, and you know I think our role is is part of our role is God's design is to protect our, our our wives, right, and and be that. But you are you are away physically. But how are you protecting her? And what's the messaging that you're giving her to at least try to give her some sort of peace of mind that Hey, I know, you know, my husband's not in danger or if he is that he's well-equipped. What are those conversations that you're having while overseas?
2: Yeah, I didn't really disclose a lot of what was going on. And I want to be really fair because I see some of these these veterans who go off to combat and the things that they experience and, and what they've gone through and the traumatic events and, and how they've had to keep themselves alive and the heroism that a lot of these guys and gals um, are capable of and have done is... I, I don't hold a candle to those individuals, quite honest. I mean, I was over there. We were in the action and everything else, but I see what they were doing. You know, so, yeah, I was in danger, but I don't feel like I was, like, in imminent danger like a lot of these guys have been. So, um, you know, I'm fortunate that way. And and I want to be real about that because it would be easy for me to say, you know, play it up, right? And I I don't want to play it up because I honor these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I told her, you know what it was like, um, I didn't disclose everything. I didn't disclose when there was, you know, situations and we had rockets and mortar attacks. I didn't disclose that stuff to her until after I got back or somebody got killed or or somebody got injured from an attack. I I just didn't disclose that stuff to her. I, I told her we were doing our mission and we have what we need to have. And, and, and I feel good about what we're doing and the good that we're doing and the positive, uh, change that we're making. And that's pretty much where I left it until I got back.
1: So, so you get back and, uh, then where do you go from there?
2: So, like I said, we were in Southern California. Um, I didn't want to go back to that life, man. I, like it, it was a good job. It was in retail management. Um, but I realized, you know, I don't want to work on the weekends and the nights and the holidays. And if I wanted to advance within the organization, I would have had to travel and we would have had to bounce and move back and forth. So when I was on my leave that I told you about from Iraq, um, um my in-laws had been meeting with a financial advisor and my wife and I had managed to save quite a bit of money because she was living with her folks. Uh, I, one of the benefits is when you're overseas, you don't have to pay taxes. I didn't have any other expenses. Everything was covered for us. So we stashed away a lot of money in that time frame. And I met with this advisor and, and uh, for, for, for our own personal financial reasons. And he said, I'm actually looking for, for two advisors. And so we talked a couple of times throughout my leave and I ended up taking my uh, insurance and investment. Uh, exams back to Iraq with me. So in my downtime, I was studying that stuff. And then when I got back, I took my exams. And um, so that was 2006. And yeah, for about almost 10 years, uh, I I got in the financial planning field and worked with another company, eventually started my own practice. But the biggest challenge was coming back. And I was selfish because I was worried about what I had going on. She was selfish because she had what she was going on. All of a sudden, I'm into her life and getting into her business. And that was a real, I'm actually surprised we stuck it out. Yeah, but, but we did, you know. Yeah. And
3: just stick into that because, uh, you know, we've all gone through it transitioning out of, out of sports. And, and every time we talk to, you know, a veteran, look, our transition is very different, right? Like we didn't have life or death every day, right? So we didn't face that. But there's, you know, some similarities in, hey, our, our purpose looks very different as a man, right? Like what we do, right? We're almost defined as by what we do. And then that changes or gets taken away or whatever it is. Now you've got to, okay, adjust and um, you've got to transition into something else. So what was that time like? What were the battles that you were dealing with internally? And then even externally, you know, how did you deal with that, you know, to, to keep your marriage moving forward and, and not, you know, fall into, you know, maybe the, the routine that, that you saw growing up?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I imagine the the transition you're talking about with you guys out of professional sports was very similar, you know? Yeah. Maybe like you said, maybe not the life and death, but I wouldn't diminish it because of that. You know, we wrap up our identities and what we do as men, right? You guys wrap up your identity in, in being athletes and being proud of that and being strong and capable and, and dedicated. I, I don't think a warrior feels any different. Right. And so we wrap up our identities in these external metrics. And then when that's pulled away from us, whether it's because we step away or involuntarily something happens and we are forced to step away. We lose a bit of ourselves because we wrap ourselves up in these external identities. And that's one of the traps that so many men fall into. And I tell the guys that follow along with what we're doing every time is like, don't define yourself by what you do because at any moment that could change, whether it's by your own terms or not your terms. And if you, you wrap yourself up into that, you're going to find yourself in a very difficult position. Uh, but between my wife and I, you know, we, we took some counseling that was offered through the military, which was very, very beneficial. I kind of rejected that idea initially, but we ended up going and it was very, very good for us. Uh, and we just, we just kept driving, man. Um, not being married wasn't an option for her. She came from a family who, you know, we, she valued that. Um, I had seen what divorce looked like. Fortunately, we didn't have any kids at the time. I wasn't interested in that. So we just stuck it through. We just stuck yeah. with it.
0: So Ryan, what's your wife's name? We have Trisha. Trisha. Okay. So yeah. Trisha, she's back. When you come back, are you guys both going, you guys come back to, you come back out of the service. Are you back in Southern California? In Southern running California. Out, running the store. Okay. So what no, happened? We're
2: not, we're not back in, in Southern California actually. We did about the dumbest thing that you could do when you don't have a plan, you buy a house. <laughs> I think that's, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: you said you had all that money, so you've got to spend yeah. a summer, right? <laughs>
2: so that's what we did. We ended up buying a house in Southern Utah. I okay. had zero plans other than the financial planning stuff, whether or not that was going to work out. And so we actually, we stayed in, I never went back to uh, to retail management.
3: Okay. okay. So okay. you okay. stayed- That's right. Cause you studied on your on your last step. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So you're back in Southern Utah, right? So what what's going on now? What, what, what's the plan? Are you thinking about having kids? Or is it more, are you focused on the professional side of of, uh, building your business?
2: Yeah, we weren't in a rush to have kids. Again, it was like the honeymoon phase all over again. You know, we had six months of that and then I was gone for a year and a half and I came back and we're back in the honeymoon phase, except for it's unfamiliar because we don't really know each other because we've been gone that that amount of time. So uh, yeah, we weren't in a rush. I was building a business. Um, She was uh, working as an intern with Sally Mae. They do student loans and pursuing that. Uh, so we didn't have kids until a couple of years later um, that we had our first son. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You know, as you're sitting here talking, it, it's a very similar story, especially to Tyler and I, you know, young, younger guys, married guys trying to build a business, trying to advance in your career. And so as you're sitting there talking, I'm just sitting here thinking, you spend all this time and energy trying to be efficient, trying to be really good at your profession that you do neglect your relationship and you do begin to look past uh, building that and, and forgetting that it still takes work because you're so you're so focused on your career and, and I justify as, well, this is helping my family. This is this is something that that's gonna help all of us. But really it's a selfish motivation, if I'm if I'm really honest with myself. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and and how you dealt with that in those 10 years in your financial planning business.
2: Man, you're, you're dead on. I mean, you said it the exact way that I would say it. It's like, we, we trick ourselves into believing that we're doing it for the people we love and care about. And we are just doing it for ourselves, but you know, there's truth to wanting to be a provider as well, right? You want to provide, but that's why that excuse works so well is because there's some truth to it. Right. 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 That if, if there was no truth to it, you wouldn't use it as an excuse because you, you knew you'd be tricking yourself. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, look, our, relation, like, our relationship has been all over the place. Um, so I was trying to build a business, grow the business. I had a one-year-old son at the time. And her and I actually went through a separation when, when he was one. Uh, we got into an argument one evening. And I, w- I was very stressed out about work and wanting to grow the business and trying to figure out how to build a financial planning practice. And I focused, like you said, all my time and attention on that, thinking this was the right thing that a man should do. Uh, and we got a new argument and I remember saying to her vividly, Hey, I don't even want to be married anymore. And she's like, good. I don't want that either. And we both went to bed that night and, uh, I woke up early the next morning and I went to some training in salt Lake, which is about four hours North of where I was living. And I got about an hour North and I thought, I thought Man, what the hell are you doing? Like your, your business isn't doing good. Your life's falling apart. Your wife's leaving you. So I came home to try to like fix things. And I got there and she just was not interested in it. And so she moved back in with her parents and I stayed in the house and that was rough, man. Cause I knew that was like, I was going down the same path as my dad. My dad was out of the picture when I was three. My son was one at the time. It was, it was looking like it was going down that path.
0: Yeah, It's, it's crazy how things become cyclical, man. I mean, I, I no similar, very similar situations. And uh, you know, you just give up because it's what you do. Yep, up is what you've seen all your life. So go forward. I know, you know, and I want, you know, just for time's sake, I want to know, I want to get to the point to where I understand why you are the man that you are today. And there is, you know, the experiences that you had in your life. So what happens when you come back and, and with your wife and, and at some point you got to work this out?
2: We worked it out. And a lot of it was me coming to the conclusion that she wasn't as guilty of everything that I had made up in my mind. You know, like why was she disloyal? Why wasn't she doing the things that, you know, a quote unquote, good wife should do. And I realized, you know, I had a lot of those problems. So I started to work on myself and and try to fix myself. Um, you know, fast forward is like, why do I do this? Because I don't want other men to go through the experiences I did. Like, I don't want... I don't want men to have to go. through. Look, I get emails and messages every day from men who are going through divorces and separations with their spouses. And quite honestly, it breaks my heart because I know exactly what it's like. It was the darkest time of my life oh, my. to be in an empty house, to have the, the, my son's nursery empty with a crib, like the, the room that we had decorated and made for him empty. I don't want men to experience that. And I, I'm not absolving the responsibility of, of, of women and, and wives. I'm not saying that, but we create most of our own problems and and I want to help men address those problems. I don't want their kids to have to grow up without a dad. I don't want them to grow up without or to live their life without a partner. And it's become my life's work to make sure men have the tools they need not to step into the same dumb mistakes that I've made most of my life.
3: So take us from financial planning uh, and you said you went to another company, started your own firm how did yeah. you now land at what you do and what was it that said, hey, look, this is this is my purpose. Like this is what I was created to do was to help men recognize their roles and flourish at it.
2: Yeah. So when I uh when I went through the separation of my wife, I didn't have anybody around. Nobody. Because I had sacrificed all of my hobbies and all of my friendships for the relationship and for my business. So I I I would like cast them away. So when I, when we went through our separation, I was alone, man. man. I have any of this stuff. And I had a couple of, of, uh, coworkers and a neighbor who I became friends friends. with. And as I started talking about this stuff, I realized how common it actually is. You know, the more I talked about, the more I experienced, oh, I didn't grow up with it out out of dad. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Lisa, we went through a separation years ago and that was miserable. So like the more I talked about it, the more I realized I wasn't an Island. Like this is something a lot of men deal with. So at the time I was running a podcast for my financial planning practice. Did about uh okay. are we getting some feedback by the way, guys?
3: Sounds yeah, all right on our side. It's okay, okay. Good. Yeah.
2: good. I just I'm getting a little bit. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't on your side. Um anyways, um so I was doing a podcast for the financial planning practice. Realized I love the medium of podcasting. I did about 20 episodes and it was geared towards helping medical professionals with their financial services. And I thought to myself, I'm like, no self-respecting doctor is going to hear some young punk who doesn't know anything about money, who doesn't have a college degree, talk about money and finances and investments. And I remember it was a pediatric physician out of uh, out of Pennsylvania, and I'm in Utah. Calls me calls my office one day, and I get on the phone with him. He's like, Hey, man, I need uh, I need disability insurance. And he gave me a list of things that he needed as far as features go in his disability insurance. And I'm like, Nobody knows. Anything about disability insurance. But he had like a list. So I'm like, this is weird. So I'm like, are you shopping around? Like you know a lot about disability insurance. Like how do you know all this? And he's like, Oh, I just listened to your podcast and I wrote down everything you told me to get.
0: Wow. Wow. And
2: that was like light bulb moment for me. I'm like, whoa, I'm just in this guy's brain. He's listening to me on the way to work, and now he's doing what I'm telling him to do. I realized pretty quickly. That I didn't want to continue to have that same discussion. Love the medium of podcasting. Didn't want to have that conversation anymore because I was burned out on it. I felt, I felt like there was a lot of meaning to it, but at the same time I'd have clients call and I'd see their number on the, on the phone. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to this person. You know, I like that person. I just didn't want to do that. Right. Yeah. By the way, if anybody's listening
3: that, oh. that was one of Ryan's clients, like, he's yeah. not talking about you. It wasn't you. It was Otherwise. somebody, else. You, somebody else. else. you were the
2: one person I wanted to talk to. <laughs> <laughs> but You know, I
0: totally get that experience because I've had, you know, working at ESPN for a lot of years, people always say, man, I love, you know, I love when you got up and you start talking about the Cowboys or talking about the Ravens or whatnot. And, they, and you start to hear, you know, they start to bring things up that you're like, yeah, I did say that, but. You actually listen to me? Like, you're taking that back and holding on to that. And then you're, man, it it, it sounds so familiar of burning out at the same time because I went through from seven years old to to two years ago. That's all I've ever done.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Let's talk football. But it got to a point where I was tired of talking just football. There was so much more in life. And that's the reason why we basically started this podcast is because we want to talk about real life experiences and how we can actually make a dent in society, man. So go on. I I didn't mean to ramble on with that one. No, you're
2: right on. I mean, we're not all that different. That was what I thought. I'm like, well, I've had these experiences and I never, when I started the Order of Man podcast, podcast. It was never my intention to prop myself up above another man. And I'll have a lot of people say that. Like who, what makes you the authority on masculinity? I'm like, I'm not, I'm just telling you that I'm on the path. I want to become a better man. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to lead my wife and children better. I want to connect with my neighbors. I want to do good. I want to build my business. I want to have some experiences and find fulfillment. I'm on the path. And all I'm saying is that if you want to come on this path with me, let's just do it together yeah
1: yeah uh, how
0: disruptive was that i mean from you to go from one to a totally different uh another extreme i mean what, what was the thought process did you step back and and pray on this or
2: no i've never been i've never been um anything but just kind of uh go off my intuition i guess you'd say you know like if it feels right i'm like okay sounds good do it like i haven't ever needed a whole lot of convincing or or being bought in or sold on the idea. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll do it. Right? Yeah. So I, I started, um, and I went for, it was a side, it was a side, it wasn't a job It was a side, uh, hobby. It was just fun. Something I enjoyed doing. doing. And so I was running my financial planning practice. I get about seven months into the thing. And my wife comes to me one night and she's like, Hey, you know, I, I really like that. You're doing you order, man. It seems like it's going well. And you, you seem happy with what you're doing. One problem you're doing more of that than you are with your financial planning practice and you're detracting from family household income. She wasn't wrong. You know, our income was going down because I was spending more time doing this. So I remember she said, you ought to figure out a way to either scale back or make some money. And I'm like, well, I'm not scaling back. If anything, I'm doubling down on this. So I listened to a, a podcast. I think it was Pat Flynn, maybe. And he had a guy on that said, you know, start a course. And so that's what I did. I put together a 12 week course and I was going to talk about six subjects, one every two weeks. And I put it out in a Facebook group. We had we must've had a thousand or so guys in there. And I said, I've got 12 spots. And I remember the guy, Mark Gabloski he's actually a friend of mine. He was the first person to sign up. And I remember thinking, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> why why would he sign up for this? I didn't have an outline. I mean, I had an outline, but I didn't have any of the details. I didn't know what we we're going to do and how it was going to work. And we had 12 guys sign up like that. And uh, they paid, I think a hundred bucks. So I made, you know, $1,200. Wow. It wasn't a lot of money. Certainly it wasn't, it wasn't enough place, place. my financial planning practice. <laughs> and, uh, but that was another <laughs> light bulb moment. <laughs> got it. Like I can make an income doing this. And there's a lot that's gone behind the scenes and around that over the last, you know, almost six years now. But yeah, it's, I ended up selling my financial planning practice to a friend that we got into the business at the same time with the same company. He's since gone out on his own. I I went to him one day, he had a state audit and and he told me about how horrible it was. And fortunately I hadn't been audited audited yet. And he told me a week later. I call him up, like, "Hey, man, you want to buy my financial planning practice?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I do." So we negotiated the sale, and I, I stepped out of it.
3: That's a, that is, okay. So I'll, I want to take a, a quick step back because, and maybe maybe it's appropriate wh- where you just ended off here. But how many men do you think in our country um, are are working to do something to earn an income, are sacrificing? time with their family, or sacrificing friends, because I think that's important for men mm-hmm. to stay on top of, is to have that male community that they can connect with. It's one thing growing up, my dad worked so hard and served our family so hard that he didn't leave room for a social life. I think that's, that's you know, important to have that. Um, but they're doing that, but they're doing something like you said, like, I burn out, like, I don't love being a financial planner. Like, yes, it's helping people, but like, that's not what fulfills me. I I don't get excited to wake up in the morning and look at your portfolio and see what your earnings statement has shown. Right, like that's right. not what gets me jacked up. And you said, okay, I found this podcast, and I was just pulled to this. I was just like daily, like that's where I wanted to spend all my time. Like, how rare is that for you? For you as an indiv- individual to find that? Because I think across the country, right, we are so many people. Probably people listening right now, they're on their way to a job. Like I'm doing this because I have to. Like I just, I've got to pay the mortgage. I've got to pay the car payments. I've got to pay health insurance. I've got to do these things. So I've just got to do something. What is your advice to those that are listening that can maybe follow, not necessarily, hey, go start a podcast, but can follow what maybe is more aligned with their purpose, more aligned with their passion?
2: So you said something interesting. You said how rare it is. I think it is rare. but And I think the reason it's rare is, is because so many men are looking for the word you used what is it that i'm passionate about and they don't know how to answer the question cuz what they're looking for is like that that magical idea or concept that that is it like that's the path i know it it didn't it didn't work like that for me you know it, it i just thought doing a podcast would be cool like it sounded interesting to me and with the financial planning practice even to start there it just sounded like, oh, I, I want to try this. I see other people doing it, but nobody's really doing it in the financial planning industry. I wonder if it would work. And that's all it was. And I took that step. And then I, I decided to pivot and start to do a different podcast. But it wasn't like, like I'm going to create order of man. It was like, I'm going to try this podcast. And then I remember uh, after we had done the Iron Council, this probably two years, maybe a year and a half into it. I woke up one evening and I was like, you know, I, I would love to get men together and, and do this face to face over a weekend. The next morning I wake up, I call it, uh, a place that had a cabin in the area that we're at in Southern Utah. And, and I said, Hey, I, I want to put a deposit in this cabin for this weekend. He's like, okay. So I put the de- sizable deposit down on this cabin. This was a Friday. I woke up Monday morning. I'm like, what the hell did you do? I have no idea. going. No what I mean. So I get, it must've been two to three weeks away from the event. And I call a guy up who has the cabin. I'm like, Hey, look, not a single person has signed up. Yeah. And he's like, not one. I'm like, no, not one. And I'm like, so I'm not going to be able to do it that weekend. that weekend. He was like, Oh, that really sucks. Well, you're going to lose your deposit. bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I'm like, well, hold up. Like, can you work with me? Like, I still want to do the event. Would you be willing to hang on to my deposit? And, and give me like three months, and he's like, I would do that. He just bought it; he's trying to build it up as like an Airbnb or a destination type place. He's like, Yeah, I'll do that. He's like, But in three months, you'll be on the the uh, the season, the busy season, so it's going to be a little bit more. But I will apply your deposit towards that. And I went back to the drawing board and figured out, you know, our our, our proposition, how to market it, and we have twenty guys. In fact, I've got a picture downstairs in a barn. We can talk about that if we need to get to it. Uh, of of the original 20, we call ourselves the terrible 20. And that was the first 19 guys, myself, you know, and 19 other guys who were at that first event. I didn't plan that, man. I was just like, let's try it and see. And then we've done, you know, a dozen other events since. And so to your question, like, what would you tell somebody about your passion? Stop looking for your passion and just entertain something that you're interested in. So if you're interested in rebuilding, Uh, a a motorcycle, then go rebuild a motorcycle and watch YouTube videos and try to figure it out because you never know what that's going to turn into. Maybe you're going to turn into the next YouTube sensation. I just got an email the other day from a, from a company that said, Hey, we're looking for a, for a a a show host for, for this show. And I I won't say what the show show is is necessarily, but for this major network, and we would like to consider you for hosting the show. Now, I don't know if it'll pan out, that sounds pretty cool. I'm like, Heck yeah, yeah. This, is, this is cool. Like this, I would have never, in a million years, thought this would be an opportunity that would even be remotely presented to me. By the way, but it only happened because I was willing to take a step. He's taking his job.
3: What's yeah. <laughs> the it again? It's, I didn't hear it's The bachelor, and you're taking Chris Hansen's job. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You guys
1: guessed it, <laughs> and hit that part out. Okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this doesn't release right, like right away, does it? Right? <laughs>
1: talk, talk to us about those early years, though, when you're not getting results despite your you know your gung-ho because we've talked about this before goals and and these aspirations sound awesome until you get to the thick of it and when it's not going the way you thought or not going as quickly as the way you thought you're or at least for me my first thought is all right I gotta bail I gotta go so talk to us a little bit about those early years when you weren't getting the results you were probably looking for how easy would it have been to just to quit pack it up and go home
2: it, it would have if I was results oriented like if I was goal oriented. And and look, goals are important, but only so that you can reverse engineer into the strategies that are going to help you achieve them. So early in my financial planning practice, one of my mentors, I was getting very frustrated with how the business was going or not going. And uh, he said, Hey, Ryan, he's like, I just want you to focus on doing the work and letting the chips fall where they may. Just do the work I'm telling you to do and just don't worry about the results. Just let the chips fall where they may. And man, that's stuck with me for over 10 years now. Just do the work and know that long-term the results will take care of themselves. I'm not worried about, like if I I could get wrapped up in statistics and how my social media accounts are growing and is the podcast being down, I could get wrapped up in that. And I look at that. It's important to see your metrics, but I don't get so consumed that it's going to sway me to do this or to not do it. It's like, that's the metric. Okay. Got it. Just keep going. So that, uh, the mentality of, of finding meaning and purpose and value in the steps, I think is what kept me from throwing in the towel.
0: Yeah, man. You know, most of the time it's so much like, you know, including self, it's fear that holds you back your own personal fear or, and pride because you don't want to be considered a failure. You don't want to start something, and then oh, I don't. This is so fear holds you back, and Mm -hmm. I don't know how many men. I'm sure you deal with it a lot. How do you, how do you coach men through the fear part of this, and you know push them through? of uh, challenging them
3: through this process. Yeah, and I want to piggyback on that because here's the, here's the fear, I think. And, and back, kind of the question that I asked is like, okay, what was that like making that transition, that leap of faith? I think so many people are looking for a very clear, precise answer. Yes. Like someone walking you, grabbing your arm, saying, hey, you know, you're not doing financial planning anymore. You're going to po- start a podcast and this is what right, you're yeah. going to do. That's what everybody's waiting mm. for. That fear to maybe step into the unknown. Whether you just started as a hobby or you start something else, but like Ben said, like, okay, the fear of when it gets really hard, was it a mistake? Did I do the wrong thing? Like, how do I know that, hey, this is worthwhile and and all that fear can be subsided or, or you know what? Embrace it and, and let that fuel you. What is your perspective on that?
2: So I'll, I'll answer that in two parts. Uh, number one, the, the first response to the, the fear, the initial fear is, is, would you rather experience a little bit of fear or live a shitty life? <laughs> like, that's it. Like <laughs> yeah. You're miserable. You hate your life. So you can go down that path and you know, you're going to get more of what you've always experienced because you're not changing anything or you can be afraid. All of us are afraid at times. You know, when you guys went to a new team, there's fear there, right? Yeah. So what? You're not going to go play football because it's, it's uncomfortable. Like That seems like a weird thing, but I know guys get wrapped up in this. So they've got to experience the pain and feel the pain, pain of, their of their current, current reality, reality if they're going to change that at all. And that, that current reality has got to be more painful than some momentary fear that they may be dealing with. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, as far as like, I don't like doing this or when should I throw in the towel, which is kind of what it sounded like you were alluding to my, my thought is, man, if it's still interesting to you, keep going Mm -hmm. for you, like, forget it. Like if you're still engaged in it, you're still interested, just keep going and you're going to evolve. And it's going to change the initial concepts I had for order of man are different than what they are today. I wouldn't have recognized what I see now, but I was still interested in it. And so I pivoted and I adjusted and I tweaked. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to go down this route. And it's kind of like, you guys remember when we were younger, those choose your own adventures, right? So you'd read a book and it'd be like, that's what it is. But you don't get to choose until you get on the path. Like you don't get to make your choices before you're on the path. You've got to be on the path before you get that opportunity.
3: That's a great analogy. That That really is. is. So let's, let's dig a little bit more into Order of Man and, and what that program, and and you mentioned, okay, Hey, you know, I've, I've created somewhat of a curriculum. I've got a program, a 12 week program, and we're going through this, but what is, what is this program look like? Because for our listeners, we want to feed them to you. We, because again, you are, you are the resource that, that we are not at this point, right? Mm -hmm. We are, we want to tell the story. We want to tell the journey. We want to encourage, but now there's tangible materials and resource that you can provide. Talk us through what that platform is, what the ultimate goal is, and, you know, how that this is affecting men across the country.
2: Yeah. So, well, when I started, I, I called it order of man for a reason, for not, reason. not like order of Ryan, right? <laughs> Cause it wasn't a goal again, to prop myself up. So I thought, all right, well, how am I going to get everybody together with our own experiences, our own perceptions, our own expertise, and then be able to work collectively together. And that's what we've created with order of man through the free resources that we have. But a lot of guys were saying things like, you know, like I, I want the path I to run on. I, I need like the-, the framework for it, or I want accountability. We had that in sports, right? I yeah. had it in the military. And then when you're out of that, you're not you going to get that. anywhere else. Most, right? And that's what I wanted to create. So we've got our exclusive brotherhood, it's called the iron council. We've got just over 700 members of that group now, wow. and we're all working together. They get, they get assignments and they get weekly challenges and they belong to a team of 12 to 15 guys. Some of these guys are getting together now face to face. They're taking it offline and taking it into to real time. Um, and it's just a way to push each other and inspire and motivate and hold each other accountable You know, outside of that, we've written a book, we've got our events and things like that, but the iron council is really the flagship, I guess you'd say of what we do and and being able to give guys the tools and the resources and then the brotherhood and camaraderie that Man, so many men. Like I look at you guys, I actually envy you guys. Like I see three friends hanging out, having a good time, talking. Yeah, about don't go that, like far. To- don't <laughs> do that far. Don't go that far. So sorry. Let me, let me back up. Three acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. Three <laughs> people in a room. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like men, men don't have what you guys have, right? And so we're trying to, trying to help them build okay. that.
1: Uh, that, and that's, that's like what we were talking about earlier. You get so focused on your career and that's one bucket. You get so focused on your family and that's one bucket. The bucket that I neglect the most is me and, and relationships with buddies and the struggles of everyday life. And, you know, you, you, you focus all your time and attention on work, but you never, you never have conversations about it with other men. Mm-hmm. And right, so, right. what you're doing is so great because it gives you time to be you. I mean, how often are we just playing a role? Yeah. And, we, and we rarely, you know, discover a creative side. We mm. rare, You know, I love art. That's, what, that's one thing that I've always loved and, and painting and just being creative, but I rarely ever do it. And because I'm spending so much time on stuff that really at the end of the day is not that impactful, not that helpful to me as a person. And so what I love about Order of Man and why it so speaks to me so much is because you're giving men an opportunity to be men with each other and encourage each other. And, and I don't know of other organizations that yeah. are doing that necessarily. No, but, I,
3: I look at it as, as order of man is is filling the cup that men are constantly pouring out to other people, right? And, I, and again, I'm not saying exclusively men are serving everybody and, and we're the, you know, the the male gender, that's all we do is just pour out and give to everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. But I think, you know, in general, you know, whether fathers, husbands, uh, they, they, what we constantly are doing is we are emptying our cup for other people and we're filling other people's cups. And if you neglect the idea and you're talking about me serving me, is okay, I need to fill my cup too. I need community. I need to, I need the encouragement from my brothers around me to lift me up so that I can live a healthier life when I'm at home with my family, when I'm at work. Because that's the first thing I see go is I'm not as effective as a husband. I'm not as effective as a father, and I'm not as effective at work. When I'm constantly just going, 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 and there's not that time for us to have those candid conversations, yeah. those transparent conversations, and 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 Ryan, for you know, in transparency, we this podcast has become a platform for us. Like we we probably talk more than most yeah. uh, podcast hosts because it this is a platform for us even to, you know, Share. to grow. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and we learn from, I learn stuff from Ben constantly. I had very no rarely, idea. Darren. Very yep. rarely do Absolutely. I learn from Darren. <laughs> Plus ben, I get a lot from. That makes sense. Makes sense.
0: <laughs> but you know what it reminds me of is, you know, it's community. Yeah. And one thing that we've missed from sports, because we, once, once we retire, the one thing you always talk about is, uh, I can't remember the games, yeah. but I can't remember the conversations in the locker room. I can remember... The ups and downs that you had after wins and losses, and having just strong conversations and relationships for hours in the in 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 the locker room, and that's and you keep on saying, Ryan. The one thing you keep on saying is you never say I, you keep on saying we mm-hmm. when you talk about the order of man, and it's because it's the community that you've happened upon that you're growing. And what do you call the council again? You call the, the Iron, iron cl-
3: Council, the yeah. Iron
0: Council, and that was like the nineteen men that that started this. With you, that's right. I mean, that's that's the starting point. And for a lot of us, we tr- you know we exit out of sports, or we exit out of uh, whatever it is that you had to. You know, even out of school, you exit out of those situations, and then you're an individual. And there is, and I can't I can't tell you, I've had some successes in my life, but I've never done it by myself. Yeah. And there's no joy in the individual side of that. It's always the joy comes in when you're sharing with other people, man. And I think that's what I applaud you for is building that community and continuing to grow with this.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I pre- you know, it's funny. Um, the other thing I was thinking of as, as, as I was thinking through this a little bit more is, you know, you guys have been successful and, and I think it'd be easy to find a bunch of people who would be, you know, yes men, you know, to, 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 congratulate and celebrate your accomplishments and you know, it feels really good, but it doesn't actually move the needle. You know, what you need is, is your teammate who gets on your ass because you missed your assignment. That's right. Yes. Right. But does it in a loving way? Like, Hey, we're on the same team. Like I care about you and you can do better than that and better. Damn. We'll make your block next time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you don't, but where else are you going to get it? You're not going to get it anywhere else. And so you need, whether it's iron council or what you guys are doing or, or just in your own personal life, you need men in your life who, are going to hold your feet to the fire and tell you what, needs, what you need to hear rather than what feels good, what strokes right. the ego. Trust Somebody me. cares about you enough to get mm-hmm. in your face a little bit the way that you need to be uh, dealt right. with at times. Yeah, I you know, love that.
1: You know, a theory that just popped in my head, and I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are, Ryan, on this. Do you think, as men, do you think that's one of our biggest issues is we're not holding each other accountable enough? What, what are we facing right now? What, where's the lack of leadership coming from, from your perspective?
2: It's, it's an ego. It's an ego situation. You know, like, look, thousands of years ago, we used to operate in packs and tribes and we had to, to survive. So we banded together as men with common interests, usually geographically, but common interests in order to push the tribe along in order to, to have enough food and sustenance to keep us alive and progressing. And then we created this really, this really amazing society that we live in where we're devoid of any real Challenge or struggle, so we got to adopt this lone wolf mentality. And then, if you look at who we grow up thinking were the epitome of masculinity, was like Jason Bourne and James Bond and John Wayne and like the Marlboro Man. You remember the Marlboro yeah. Man? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're too young.
0: They're, these two. I didn't, young, come yeah. on.
2: <laughs> so like. These guys, we look at them, we think, oh, these guys are awesome, right? Yeah. They've got the skills, they've got the looks, they've got the strength, they've got the, the, the women. And so we all bought into that as a society that we need to be the lone wolf. And yeah, you might be able to make it as a lone wolf, but I'm telling you, it's always better when you have yeah. men to your sides who are willing to walk into that fire or whatever that looks like for you. And, and the reason we don't do it is number one, we don't have to
1: because right. Right? there's no threat. Yeah. So we
2: don't have to. And number two is it represents uh, a, a threat to our ego, right? Like if if I have somebody calling me out, like that's not comfortable. I don't want somebody calling uh, yeah. me out. Mm-hmm. And so I'll go alone, so I don't have to hear somebody or even look at somebody who might be better at something than me. I just started jujitsu about a year and a half ago, and like that's hard. You go to jujitsu and there's guys who are smaller than me, significantly smaller than me. Who are like choking me out and running circles around me, and, and that sucks, man. Yes. If you want to get better, you got to you got to expose yourself to that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, as a kid, you have no problem doing that, though. You have no problem just jumping into an uncomfortable situation, typically. But as we get older, to your point, ego comes into play, and so for you to jump into jujitsu at you know in your thirties, that's pretty significant because you're starting over in a brand yeah. new field something you're not familiar with. I, I mean, I, I know you recognize it and you appreciate it, but people need to understand to jump into something like that that's totally foreign is a very significant move on your part.
2: It's, um, yeah, I don't think it's natural. You know, it's, it's not a natural thing to want to do that. But if, if you think about it, it's, it's the only way to progress, right? It's the only way. There's no better way to progress than and to be, be uncomfortable with a new skill set or a new school. environment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, wait a minute. Let me ask you this, so Ryan, do you think you've ever been natural? I mean, honestly, do you think that you're the type of person who stayed status quo? You've always. It uh, seems to me in this still when we're listening to you, you have never been afraid to step out.
2: No, that I've been pretty. I, I recognize that as being fortunate. <laughs> I'm not an overthinker or an over over analyzer you know and, and in a lot of ways that's good because I can just if I feel like oh that should, could be interesting then I go do it and so I don't have that same level of fear that somebody might overthink something does but I also make a lot of dumb decisions you know I, because <laughs> like I, I pay a lot of like uh, tuition is is what my friend calls it it's like tuition payments whether that's financially Please. or physically it's like I pay those payments because I make Quick decisions, you know. So it's like pros and cons. You got to find the balance that's gonna serve you best.
3: Yeah. Hey, Ryan. So since starting Order of Man, what are what are some things that's really surprised you? Whether it's podcast related, whether it's community, what are some things that really like you did not expect to to come up or to occur, or you know, the the acceleration rate, whatever it may be, what are some things that have surprised you through this process?
2: you know, I'm still surprised. Like I, I was, uh, on a quick little mini vacation with my family the other day, a couple hours from here and, and we're new to Maine. We we moved here about a year ago and, uh, this guy comes up to me and he's like, Hey, are you Ryan Mickler? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I listen to your podcast, man. I, I just, I can't believe you're here. I bumped into this is cool. He's really excited to meet me. And I, I was, I was taken back a little bit. Anytime I get that, whether it's in the airport or somewhere else, I'm always like, Why? (laughs) Way better podcast, way, way, way more intelligent people than me. Very surprising Uh, to me me still. still. It's very humbling and and I'm excited about that, but it's, it's still surprising. The other side is like, I, I, and a lot of times I feel really selfish. And you mentioned this, Darren, a little bit earlier. Like I'm the, I'm the greatest Mm. beneficiary of what's going on here. Mm. I get so much more out of this than I think it what anybody else yeah. does because of the people I get to talk with. I'm surprised that, that some just incredibly high caliber men are willing to share their story one-on-one with me. That's, that's unreal to me. Um, and then the level of, uh, of accountability that I have, like I have to perform. I have to be at my game because if I'm telling other people they need to, what right do I have to not right. be on my game? Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of accountability that I did not expect that uh, sometimes I'm like, I don't want. But it's ultimately really, really good for me. So, is there is
0: there any over one just and I want to piggyback what you just said, Tyler. But is there a one overarching theme that you're hearing from men, like problems that you're hearing? Is there one theme that just sticks out like a sore thumb that you continuously hear?
2: There's two, there's two actually. So the first one is discipline, lack of discipline, and the second one is lack of confidence. Those are those are just generally the two biggest issues overwhelmingly that I see and hear from, from the men that, that listen in and tune into what we're doing.
1: Why is that? What do you, what do you think is causing those two? Um,
2: there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I honestly think it stems from a lack of fatherhood. I really do. You know, like I was, I was not I'm I'm pretty confident now. Um, but when I was younger, man, I really, really struggled with my confidence and, I think a lot has to do with the fact that my dad wasn't around, you know, I didn't have that male father figure to like, show me the path to tell me what was right and what was wrong, but to do it in a loving way. So I think that's a big issue. And then yeah, the self-discipline, same thing, disciplines, look, I hesitate to say it this way, but it's a very masculine trait. Okay. And, and, and I'm not saying women are incapable of discipline. I'm saying that when they are disciplined, it's more of a masculine characteristic just because of the way that we're built biologically. And so, um, yeah, men, men don't have, I mean, our testosterone, if you look at the, the, the rates of testosterone, that's going down and it has been for years and years now, fatherless homes. I mean, it's a crisis in masculinity. It truly is. is. And this is how it manifests itself.
3: I think, I think the, the confidence aspect rolls back into the discipline, right? Because one, what, what drives discipline is accountability, right? Like innately, we are not, we just don't have discipline. I don't think we're born with discipline. That's a learned trait, whether it's from a father figure, whether that's from a coach, whether that's from a friend. But I don't think that we as a culture have the confidence to go to someone and tell them, hey, you know, I got to hold you accountable for this or I'm going to call you out on this because we don't have the confidence to receive that feedback. If we give it, we're then exposing ourselves to get it back. And so I think it's a lack of confidence, you know, in in the accountability or the lack of confidence in like, I'm going to ask for accountability because I know I'm probably going to fail. And so I'm not going to put myself out there to ask Ben to be my accountability partner. I, we talk about fitness all the time. I haven't asked you to say, Hey, call me every, every morning at five. So I'm working out because I know I'm going to fail because that's, I have a lack of confidence in my discipline right now. And I mean, I think you hit them right on the head.
2: Well, you know, and, and I tell the guys, cause I think there's a lot of people who believe that some people are just naturally confident. They're just born confident. I would say that there's some people who may be more predisposed to be egotistical or arrogant, mm-hmm but that, that isn't earned. That's fabricated. That's manufactured, right? Right. Confidence is earned. You have to earn confidence. So when guys come to me and they say, Hey, you know, Ryan, I'm just not confident. I think what they're looking for is like a pat on the back and say, no, you're good. And you're special. And what I tell them is tell me what you should be confident about.
0: Mm, That's true.
2: Like, give me, give me one thing in your life. You should be confident about. Oh, well, uh, exactly. So what should we do? so that you can eventually develop the confidence that you desire.
1: Yeah, that, that's interesting. You said that. What do we do? Because, you know, confidence and identity, I think, are intertwined maybe in the wrong direction or in the wrong pathway. We talked earlier about identity being in what you do and somebody telling you, well, don't get so wrapped up in you know, don't let your identity be what you do. Well, we let football be our identity for so long because it's something we were good at. We got our confidence from that identity as a football player. Whereas maybe, maybe the better direction or the better path is get your confidence from who you are, not from what you do.
2: Yeah. Or even I I would, I would say even different than not that, not who you are, but maybe how you show up, right? Because the way you show up is what defines you. So some people say, you know, I just want to, I want to find myself. Like, I don't know who I am, right? Because you're not deliberate in the actions that you're taking. So if you want to be a football player, then you have to do what football players do. Uh, If you want to be an entrepreneur, then you have to do what entrepreneurs do. I look at guys like Joe Rogan, for example, pinnacle of the podcasting game. Right. And I used to look at him and say, man, I want what Joe Rogan has. I want to be at the top of my game. And now I look at it and think, no, I actually don't want that because I know what it takes. And that's not where I'm at. Because I've got other priorities. He's not right. He's not wrong. I'm not right. I'm not wrong. Values right. Yeah.
0: You got to get your values that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. right. Yeah. I, I'm following you on that. And that's the thing. I mean, we always compare ourselves. Yeah. That's the first thing we want to do social, as men. Social
3: media era. Yeah. yeah. Is
0: compare ourselves, man. Man, I, look, I, I look at this as there's so much that, that so much meat on this bone that we're yeah. we're going through that. But there's so many questions I have as, as the individual, man. And and I know we you've, you've addressed a few things, but- is there any, let's say it's an athlete coming out, coming out of playing football. And I'm, I'll speak for Tyler here. He's transitioning out of the fo- a great, of the- A great
3: looking athlete transitioning out of football. No that far. <laughs> I just about saying
0: we didn't we need, need to
1: say to that. that. No, that was- <laughs>
0: An athlete like Tyler, who's come out of the NFL, whose identity since he was seven years old has been wrapped up into this, into the sport right now. he's oh, tra-
3: Thanks for listening to my story.
0: Yeah. Who's <laughs> <laughs> transitioning out. Now he's, he's looking, he's just looking because there's so many people. I mean, everyone's story is different, but you know, there's so many people that, that are just now transitioning out of whatever it is. And now they're, 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 they're they don't know. They, they have no idea what the next step is zero idea. What's the guidance? What is there? I mean, how can they reach out to you and what would you say to them uh, about the next step?
2: Well, the first thing I'd say is take the mentality. This goes back to what we were saying earlier about how you show up. So You can apply the same mentality on the football field as you can in other endeavors of your life. So what I think you should start doing is extracting. I talk with veterans about this too. What made you a great soldier? What makes you a great athlete? Take those experiences, take that those lessons and the skill set and the and a mindset that you have, and now let's direct it towards and, and this is specifically within the veteran community, but it would apply the same here, towards your next mission. You gotta have purpose, you gotta have a mission, you gotta have something that drives you. And that's where we start. I always start with the vision. What is it that you ultimately want? And it may not be specific, but think about the kind of man that you want to show up. When, when, as when people uh, talk about you or when you leave, what's the legacy that you're leaving? Uh, when you think about yourself, here's a great exercise. People will come to me and say, Hey, you know, Ryan, I've got uh, this opportunity to go take a job over here or here. What should I do? Well, I can't, I can't answer that. How, how would I know? But what I suggest them to do is say, fast forward 30 years from now, looking back, which decision will you be happy that you made? It's a very, very powerful exercise in conscious thought really is what that is. You're projecting um, yourself out to a future time and date. And that has never led me astray. Absolutely. So fast forward 20 years, 30 years, looking back, what decisions will you be happy you made? How will you look back at your, your ability to father your children or be a husband to your wife or step up into your community? That's always the starting point. Once we have the starting point, we can work ourselves into objectives, specific things you want, tactics, which are going to help you get there. I've got a really good program. Um, it's a free program. It's called battle ready. And if somebody's interested, they could go to that. It's order of slash battle ready. And it actually walks them through this in a series of emails over 30 days, how to create vision, how to come up with your objectives, how to get down to your tactics and then make sure you're on the right track along the way. Yeah, yeah, that that is awesome.
3: Awesome. So, battle ready and, and website again
2: orderofman.com
0: order slash battle already. already. So what's the future? What's the future of order of man? I mean, are you looking to expand? Are you looking to find the right community? What do you, what's, what's the, what's the next step? Uh,
2: yeah. my answer for that is never very good really? because I, I don't know. No, I actually, actually don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know that it has my interest <laughs> right now. I know that I'm all into this thing. I can't ever envision a time where I would stop or sell or do anything else. Um, but I just want to do, I want to do more of the same. I want to reach more people. Um, I want to do more events. I think as we become more technologically driven, especially in the wake of this COVID fallout, people are going to want to be face to face. They're going to want to interact shoulder to shoulder. Uh, so I see a lot more live events happening and just more of the same, man. My mission has not changed and and I don't see it changing. Um, I'll evolve as technology changes yeah, yeah, yeah. and these needs change, but I'm all into this thing.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. We, so you, well, you I was going to say,
1: you mentioned your barn. Oh, I was, That's where I was going. <laughs> oh, you yeah, got yeah. this massive barn. You said you're renovating. What, what's up with that?
2: Yeah. So this actually falls into uh, what I was saying. So what, three years ago I had that idea, like I'm going to do these events and I put m- money on that cabin and I did about half a dozen events. And I just remember thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool if I had my own space? And then you just, you just keep working, right? You just, again, do the work, let the chips fall where they may. So I kept my head down in the back of my head. I always had this idea of like my own space, like an event space. And, uh, a year ago, my wife and I actually two years ago came to Maine. Um, I loved it, fell in love with it. I was up here by myself for a a jujitsu camp. My wife came back with me six months later in the middle of winter and she got a real estate agent i like, what are you doing? And, and, and she's like, well, didn't you want to look at houses? I'm like, well, I didn't know you were serious. We'd always toy around now, <laughs> maybe like be moving like, and things like that. You. And she's like, well, we can go look if we don't find anything. It's like, we're not tied into it, but we can at least go look. I said, all right, let's do it. So we came out here, we looked at half a dozen homes, our last home, our real estate agent said, Hey, I've got one on the list. You haven't seen it. Um, they already have an offer in on the no, place, please, but they're entertaining a backup yeah. offer. I said, all right, well, let's go look at it. And we come down this road and we see the house that we're in right Right. now, this big, beautiful New England style, big white home with a big barn attached to it. And man, instantaneously, we knew we're like, we're doing it. And we put an offer in. Remember when I said, like, hey, I just make decisions? Like, it feels good. (laughs) So we put this offer on on this place and I get back and people are like, aren't you going to rent until you figure it out? I'm like, why'd I do that? I don't like I could, it just like, doesn't compute with me. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: found the one. That's all I need yeah. to
2: know. Yeah. You That's just know. my dream home actually. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are welcome out anytime, but man, we got this barn out here. We've got 50 acres. Uh, we've run two events. We've got another event coming up here in about a month. And uh, this, just this incredible hundred plus year old barn that we're doing some renovations, putting some bathrooms in and really turning this into a place that we can house a lot
0: of guys and change some lives here, man. It's yeah, man. That's so what it's awesome. about, man. Love changing it, man. lives, brother. And Love we, man, it, man, we appreciate it. I know Ben, you have a, a final wrap yeah. up question.
1: Yeah, no, this has been, I knew, I knew coming into this, this is going to be an awesome conversation just yeah. because of what you're doing, your heart for people, your heart for men, uh, and, and how you're changing lives. And, and we really appreciate your time. The question we like to ask every guest at the end, uh, is this, if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself?
2: I would probably go back to right out of high school and I would tell myself to take more risks. Cause I and I'm and I feel like I'm doing it now. I feel like I'm better at it now, right? It's like, it's like, you, just, like you sound pretty risky yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> but I've learned that. I've learned that through just playing it easy and playing it safe. And man, I was walking around the field the other day with my son. He's 12 years old. My oldest is, and he's so big, man. He wears my clothes now. He wears my shoes. He wears my clothes. I'm like, Holy cow. He's 12 years old. And, uh, I'm like, I only have six years with him.
0: Oh man. been there, bro.
2: You know, it's like in six years, he's gone. I mean, we'll obviously we'll communicate. Hopefully we'll communicate (laughs) and be close and, and, He'll want to be involved. Like, like hopefully, hopefully obviously, obviously, that's cool. but like, I'm not going to be able to tuck, tuck him, in him at me. night. I'm not going to be able to walk around the field with him. Like, I'm not going to do that stuff. And uh, so for a lot of years, I played it really, really safe because I was afraid of like, Oh, what if this goes bad? Yeah. What if, what if it goes bad? Then what? Then you would just adjust. That's the same thing when people said, Oh, I can't believe, Oh, you're com- You're moving to Maine. Oh, I can't believe you do that. What if you don't like it? Then we move back. Yeah. <laughs> So we're like cold for two years and, and we're together, but we moved back. Like, that's it. There's no downside of this. And people said, well, I, I would love to do it, but I have a job, but I have this, but I have responsibilities, but I have friends, but my kids. I'm like, I had all that shit too. Oh, man. I have all the same stuff you do. And yet we made this decision. It is paying off right now.
1: Like, what a And I would have never known if I wasn't willing to take, take that risk. risk. Yeah. 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 What a mentality! Man, man, way to talk to us, but yes. you got like a preacher up there. You, just,
2: you talking to me,
1: <laughs> Reverend Ryan? <laughs> Rev Ryan,
2: oh, appreciate it, guys. What a great man. conversation! Yeah.
1: yeah, thank you so man. much for your time. Again, this is this has been awesome uh, for everybody out there listening. Order of Man, you can find it wherever podcasts. Yep. I, I'm assuming you have a YouTube channel. I'm assuming you have a YouTube we channel. We do. Yep, YouTube. Okay. Yep. Yep. And then obviously the website orderofman.com. Uh, you're highly active on Instagram. That's actually how we. Uh, that's how, actually how Darren connected with yep. you. That's right. Um, but love your stuff. Love your message. Yep. Uh, love everything that you're doing, and and we would love to support you however we can. Thanks um,
2: for the opportunity, guys. I really, really enjoyed great. the conversation. Okay. Absolutely. It was great. Yeah. It really Thanks,
3: was. I know our listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Hopefully, it reaches more people because, as mentioned in the beginning, you know our country needs men to step up yep. and be leaders. We oh. need more leaders. Um, and, and the more we can strengthen that community, man, the better we're going to be. So I no appreciate doubt. you. Yeah. Well, let no, me know and I'll
2: share it on my end too. So we can introduce our guys over to what you're doing. Cause it's clear you guys are doing a good thing and, uh, you've got, you've got, you guys have got a good relationship, which is really cool to see. I love to see that. I carry their around. asses. That's <laughs> what <I'm doing. laughs> I do. Right. I, I was going to say Here, gonna we go. Go. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Thanks Ryan. Appreciate, Ryan. appreciate Ryan. it. Appreciate it. Right.